Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking to farmers all over. We would love to hear from you on today's program. What are you working on on your farm? How are things going? Uh, what's the next thing that's going to be happening on your farm? I know we've got a lot of different things happening between we're getting snow and we can't do much other than in the shop and we're out in the field planting, we're out applying fertilizer, manure, crop protection products, those types of things. So just kind of everything across the board going on in fields today. All right, Brian, uh, on our farm, you know, it's a little cooler than it was last week, but wow, it's still nice. Sun's out. Things are pretty dry out in the field. It's getting close. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't start planting corn until our first planting date, which is April 10th, so it's a whole month away. But we have been spraying a lot of herbicide, and now's a great time to get that done. So I actually think the weather's been a little on the warm side. I'd rather have it just a little cool in the morning so the ground is somewhat firm, and then as the ground thaws during the day, um, everything turns out great. So anyway, spraying is something we've been working on a lot here over the last couple of weeks. I'm glad we're getting a lot of that stuff done. kind of spreads our workload out nice, and then the herbicide works better too. The only caution I have for guys that want to spray early is don't do it where let's say you're next to a river and it could potentially flood out. Now, granted, this year we're in extreme droughts. There's no possible chance the river's going to flood this spring. But still, in a normal spring, we'd have to be a little careful on a river bottom ground. But on all the high ground that we have, I mean, I have no issue getting that done as long as we're planning to plant relatively early. We don't want to do this and spray this early and then wait till June to plant the crop because then by that point, the pre-emerge herbicide will have run out. So that, that's about the only thing, or the only downside to it. But yeah, it just spreads the risk so nice and gets the job done and everything. Oh, and by the way, the other big thing everybody's been talking about is supply issues. I mean, literally with everything, it seems like. You can't buy a pickup right now. I mean, there are people that can't build houses because of Tires, parts, boxes. fertilizer. I mean, oh, yeah, it's just, it's Great. nuts. Yeah, so anyway, it's just nice when you have already picked the product up, so your price is locked in, your product supply is locked in. So I'd just suggest to everybody, get your stuff right now so you don't run into the same logistical issues everybody else is dealing with around the country. All right, Brian, we got a bunch of questions here on Farmer Friday here in the Ag PhD mailbag. Uh, let's dive into those. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. You're going to love this one. This is from Marion in eastern Nebraska, and he said, what is the best way to break up soil nutrient stratification and get those nutrients down in the soil? We've been no-tilling for over 25 years. Just wondering, would you moldboard plow, chisel plow with twisted shovels? What would you like to do if you're going to get those nutrients in? I'm a corn-soybean rotation guy, and my CEC, or cation exchange capacity, is an average of 22. Sure. So if it was me, what would I do? I mean, I would go moldboard plow. Darren and I have been debating about this on our own farm. And my, my suggestion is once every 20 years, if we moldboard plowed our strip-till ground that used to be no-till ground, if just once every 20 years we did that, we could turn a lot of that stuff. 
But if you say, well, boy, I think that's going to destroy a lot of the good stuff I've built up, then instead of that, what I would consider doing is first do some soil testing every two or three inches going all the way down to a couple feet, see where your nutrients are at. And then wherever the nutrients aren't, I would consider injecting them down to that point with a narrow coulter so you aren't creating a lot of soil disturbance. That would be the way to basically leave your no-till as no-till, yet start placing some nutrients where they currently aren't. So those would be my two options. Now, I mean, you mentioned there, there are plenty of other tillage tools out there. You don't have to go with a moldboard plow. You could do something else, too. The only thing about the moldboard plow is literally you are taking the top and throwing it down below. So you would really be able to spin stuff there one time. But yeah, I mean, however you want to do it, you certainly could go the tillage method. Otherwise, the deep placement is a great option as well. All right. Thanks for that question, Marion. Good luck to you. This one comes in from Jerry. He said, we are in deep southern Illinois. Our cation exchange capacity of our soil is around 10. Wondering on a soil test, where should we target our magnesium numbers to be? We're growing corn, soybeans, and wheat. Well, when you're at a CEC of 10, that's relatively light soil. So we're typically going to tell you, get your magnesium percentage up. I mean, I'd like to see it even 18, maybe 20%. It doesn't have to be that high. I mean, we definitely want it over, let's call it 10 or 12. But the higher you go, the more moisture your soil is going to hold, the more you're going to basically tighten that light soil, and that could be a real benefit for you. All right. Thanks, uh, Jerry or Joey. Really appreciate that. This one comes from Joe up in North Dakota. He said, we're raising tall fescue grass, and we've historically had some issues with armyworm and grasshoppers. We've used some of the generic pyrethroids in the past, but our applicator said there were some fumes with that that he didn't like. Just wonder if you had some other alternatives for insecticides we should look at. Well, I'm not exactly sure what's labeled in tall fescue. So without looking that up, I can't tell you. That's not typically a crop we're making insecticide recommendations on. I'll just give you a list of some products, and then you can see if they're labeled or not. So it, when you say fumes, then right away I think about Lorsban. When you're talking a pyrethroid and fumes, that's not real common. So I, I don't see that as a, a real big issue typically with the pyrethroids. But there are plenty of other pyrethroids you could check out, whether it's Mustang Max, which is a second generation. You could check out Bifenthrin, generic Bifenthrin. That's a third generation. Anyway, in terms of fumes, I, I think a Lorsban, that's got lots of fumes, but there is Lorsban Advance that has fewer. You could also use a combination of pyrethroid and uh, organophosphate. So that'd be something like cobalt, um, I mean, there are a number of different insecticides out there. I just like the pyrethroids because they'll kill the bugs you're after for very little money. All right. Thanks for the question, Joe. We appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro.
Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Yeah, lots to talk about here as we head towards spring. We've got planters torn apart on our farm, working on finding some parts. That's been a little bit of a challenge. Brian had just mentioned how uh, a lot of things are in tight supply and we just can't find certain things right now. I know planter parts is something that, yeah, I get it. We've only got a month before planting, so everybody else is working on the same things. But uh, it's one thing I wish wish we would have been done by now. Then we wouldn't have that problem. Let's head down to Kentucky. You got our friend Joel on with us right now. Joel, you got the planters all ready to go? Or are you out in the field already? Well, we've been out in the field uh, spraying burn down and uh, cleaning up around the edge of the field from the winter wind's blowing but uh actually i was uh back in the shed we just hooked the tractor to the planter and moved it out for the first time <laughs> yeah it's it was um uh, not a really good call when we called our local dealer and he said you know <laughs> we're kind of out of this <laughs> right. part we're out of that one we're like what come on we got a plant right. in a month but fortunately uh they, they were able to say hey we got another branch over here 20 miles they've got them so so we were able to run right. around a little bit but Hopefully we find everything that we need. And, you know, are you running into any of those kinds of things down in Kentucky right now where, where you've got stuff you just can't get just yet? Well, we hadn't, we hadn't had an order for planter stuff, of course, right yet. Uh, we, we had some parts that we had ordered last year right when this hit. And uh, that distributor or that company got hit pretty quick. And we had some basically spare parts we used up our spares and we wanted some more spare parts put them on order 
and two days after we got through planting last year, they showed up. So uh, we've got our spares back on that, but that's what I've been hearing and people have been talking about, not just the ag dealerships. I mean, even the automotive dealerships are having the same trouble. Yeah. How, how about that? You mentioned you're getting out in the fields just a little bit. Are you seeing that on crop protection or anything else where you're running into any trouble or has everything been smooth there? Everything's been pretty smooth. I mean, uh, the last spraying that we just did was our burn down application. Uh, running a little heavy raid on 2,4-D this time of year to try to make sure we knock everything back and give us the biggest window. But, of course, that that creates that plant later window also, uh, uh, what, 15 days, I believe it is. So we want to go ahead and get that done. If if this weather stays anywhere close to this warm and the ground dries out, there'll be guys planting corn down here before March. Yeah, that that will be interesting. I know we were just talking to a farmer over in Arkansas that that has already got a bunch of acres in the ground, and yeah, he's kind of watching real close to see how this weather does too. When you hear about some of the crazy stuff <laughs> right. happening this year, who knows? Yeah, we've already got our extended forecast for next Friday night. Has got us dipping down to thirty, which just one night of that wouldn't be that big a deal. But if that forecast was to change much, could get get caught a little bit like we did well we almost got caught last year we had just a little damage in about three acre little swag where we had a few nights below freezing and it affected the stand none of that corn was sprouted yet but it still affected the stand huh interesting yeah it it's uh interesting as we travel around the country and talk to farmers because you say early planting and to some guys that means before the first of may and to other others right. like you're talking about joel it might mean march and that's a whole different right. whole different ball game oh yeah well our our crop insurance day uh is march the first down here and we we try not to be uh too out of line on that if we are planting early but we heard uh from one of our equipment guys that we was talking to about our planter, uh, he had got a planter started running up on uh, the Ohio River. I think it was around Owensburg, and that guy was planting soybeans the first of this week. So oh. <laughs> everybody's pushing the envelope. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and there's been a lot of studies showing that there's a little bit more yield in that, but you definitely are taking a little bit of risk. I, I do like if your crop insurance date is March 1. Is that for corn or is that for corn or beans? That's for corn. Uh be honest with you, we never have tried to plant beans that early because we, we have still been in the focus on corn first and then plant beans as we can or after corn. Sure. Uh, I'd I'd have to look up to be honest with you on the soybean date, but they they've been pushing it for several years up along the river. Those boys are routinely uh, winning the soybean yield contest in the state of Kentucky, uh, planting planting early. Interesting, interesting. Well, Joel, yep. uh, good talking to you here as you get that that planter out. Hopefully, it's in great shape and you don't have to do too much work. Cause, <laughs> right. Like you say, well, we got this fifteen day window till we're going to be planting, but. I know, I know from experience that goes really, really fast, and you're going to be wishing oh, you had a couple yeah, more days. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, good talking to you, Joel. Stay safe this spring. All right. You too. Thank you. Let's head over to Nebraska. Got our friend Greg on with us. How are you doing, Greg? Doing well, Darren. Great weather here. Looks like some rain coming in for the weekend. Yeah. Do you need the rain now? Nebraska's been pretty dry, hasn't it? We are pretty dry. We have been dry for a number of months. 
Um, you know, however, we had a pretty good snowfall uh, over the winter, uh, not a lot of moisture in, in a lot of that snow, but yet uh, it helped and uh, things are kind of drying out. I see some dry fertilizer going on today ahead of this rain. So we'll take it. I, you know, if we get another inch or two of rain now, I think that might set everything up uh, real well for the coming spring. Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, I understand you want to talk a little about fertility and herbicide choices. Yeah. So I have a question. I was looking at my soil test. I got my soil test results here from last fall and I want to build up my K levels. My base saturation K just about on every field is below 4%. I see I have one 4.8, but I'd like to get that up to 4 to 8%. And then also I see I'm uh, pretty low on sulfur, manganese, and boron. Now I know uh, boron and sulfur are highly leachable. Uh, K isn't. Uh, what would you recommend looking at um, no-till? And I would like to really boost that base saturation K level up, but it might take me a few years. Would that be correct before that stuff breaks down? Otherwise, I can apply you know, quite a bit of sulfur and manganese and, and uh, boron in one shot and probably do a lot more good quicker. Is that correct? Yeah, you can get those those to be available really quick. With the K, a portion of that's going to be uh, showing up soon. But but our, our experience has been on our bigger build programs with K, it's taken a while for it to fully fully engage. One one year was really tough for us, 2012. We put a bunch out in the fall of 2011, and then it just decided not to rain anymore for a year. And we didn't see anything. I remember we were going back out to pull soil samples. I'm like, is there even a point here? We've still got dry potash laying there in the soil. So uh, yeah. it, it'll take a little bit of time. But yeah, I, li- I like that program. I like thinking about, you know, even if it takes me a few years, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to try and get to where my goal is. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and and a lot of these are in the high three area, so I'm not that oh, far awesome. off. I'd awesome. like to to raise it, you know, more. But I'm really alarmed, Darren, with the manganese levels. I'm I'm looking at you know single digits just everywhere, and it should be like twenty to forty uh, parts per million. Right, right. Now, uh, part of that could be the the test that you're using, and I know we've historically used. Uh, Midwest Labs and the DTPA extraction method, which is going to show a much lower number than a Malik 3 test would show. So that might be something you take a look at, even if you just sent in a couple of spots. If you could go back to the same spot on a couple points and send it, you could send it into Midwest if you're working with them and just say, hey, run the Malik 3 on this for me. I just want to see what the difference is because we've seen where we've got you know, seven, eight, nine parts per million on some areas of our farm, we may have 60 or 70 on a Malik 3 test. So there is the manganese oh. out there. It just may not be fully available right now. So you can get by with a, a band at planting time or something in your no-till system and get the manganese into the crop for the year. Okay, that's great news. Yeah, I do use Midwest and the deep TPA is on this uh, result here. So that's good good information. Another uh, quick uh, herbicide question for you. Sure. Tell you what, Greg, we're, we're up against a break. And if you can hold, okay. I'll take it right after this break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. And just like Greg here, who who is called in and, and talking about herbicides and fertilizer for his farm, we'd love to talk to you about what's going on on your farm. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPBD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit FelchumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Panther, Credit Extreme, and Cheetah for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these challenging times, we know you're under pressure. New Farm's here to help. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us. If you'd like to call in, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, we're talking to Greg down in Nebraska just before the break. Greg's raising some no-till soybeans, working on building up potassium levels in soil and, and addressing some manganese challenges too. Uh, Greg, you want to talk a little about weed control? I know you got some tough ones down there in your part of Nebraska. Well, we do, Darren. It seems like water hemp is my biggest uh, concern, and especially later in the season. You know, the, the bean field can look really clean, and then uh, towards harvest, there's a few escapes showing through, and I just try to avoid that. But uh, I know one of the strategies to do is a three-pre uh, there before the pre-plant uh, herbicides, and I'm planning on doing that, and there's so many different options. It kind of makes my head spin sometimes. But uh Looking at water hemp and looking at something residual, 
what would you recommend? And then I'm going to ask you a question about Mega Grow too. Okay. Well, on that three pre strategy in no till, my choice, I, I guess for the yellows, Prowl is our option. We can't do the trifluralin. Right. Unfortunately, Prowl is significantly more expensive than trifluralin. And it's been fun as we do this radio show. We get to talk to so many folks around the country. And we've talked to more than one no tiller that says, you know, I just wait until it's going to rain and then I go out and spray like hour an hour before the rain and get as many acres as I can get covered and put trifluralin out to try and save money. I I don't know if you want to try and time that out, Greg. <laughs> and if if as many rolling hills as you've got, if that would work out good for you. But oh my. I hear everybody yeah, trying to come up with strategies. I wish Prowl was cheaper, but it's not. So I'd use I would use Prowl in my three pre program. Uh, I'd put some metribuzin in depending on what your pH is. Do, you've got some higher pH spots out there, don't you? There are spots, Darren, uh, by and large, most of the fields are in that 6.3 to 6.8, but there are some just a little over 7, 7.5 here and there. Okay. Yeah, you have to watch out on those on those hot spots if there's any way uh, to, to change that. But the problem is you're going to mix the prowl and, and whatever else in the tank. So uh, I'd right. probably just run with a, a moderate rate to the metribuse, and maybe I'd push it and run a quarter of a pound, something like that. But but if you if you see – and then what I would do is just watch on those grid points or, or zone points that you've sampled at where there's high pH to see if there's any kind of effect on the plant. And what would happen with metribuse is that plant would drop the unifoliates off when it has a couple of cotyledons on. So if you notice, oh. hey, the unifoliates are dropping off and, and maybe even a trifoliate's dropping off, then we've got too much metribuzin out there. But if you don't see that, typically we're in good shape. Uh, we used to use two-thirds of a pound of metribuzin when I was a kid, on our farm anyway. That was the full labeled rate, and we didn't have any other weed control choices. So Dad was pushing it as far as he could on that one. Uh, so I would do the Prowl, I'd do the Metribuzin, and, and either Authority or Valor. Uh, I like Authority just for length of control, but Valor is a good product too, either way. Uh, so maybe you do an Authority MTZ with some Prowl or something like that, and you can talk to your supplier to see what's the, the cheapest way to kind of get that combo if there's any premixes or, or so forth that would work. Okay. And then on the post-emerge residual, are you throwing in something when you go out with your post-spray uh, to add residual? Well, this year uh, I'm going to be having a totally uh, extend uh, okay. program. Not extend flex, but just extend. Okay. And I, I think we have used something there to kind of give it a kick to uh, help with that. And I can't remember the product that we sure. used. Like a warrant uh, or a dual yeah, or outlook. Warrant. That's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 That's that's what I would do. That'd be my strategy. And then just hope I have a good enough canopy to, to carry me through. Yeah. And with, with me, I'm 10-inch rows in a drilled uh, format. So a canopy is really quick. And uh, I can hope for that. Yeah. Another question I had was Mega Grow. I've never used it, but uh, I've heard some good things about it. Just wanted to get your opinion on that. I think that helps recover from um, glyphosate to applications quicker. Yeah, we, we use it every year. When we're spraying glyphosate in crop, we like it because it helps the plant. Yeah, it helps the plant work through that Roundup faster and never slow down growing. So we don't see the yellow flash that, that we sometimes have with the higher rates of Roundup. Uh, also, we, we've utilized that one in soybeans even when we aren't doing Roundup. So we'll, we'll 
if if we have one of those spots where we don't need a herbicide, which I wish we had that more often, but uh, if we did, we'd still throw the mega grow, and we really do like that one. It's cheap. It's a couple of different plant growth hormones to help that plant grow a little bit faster, and uh, it's been a positive yield gain for us on soybeans, so we we do like it. Good. You could put that mega grow along with the. Um uh, products I'm using for extend at the same time. It post. is it is labeled to go out with extend. It's on the approved list, but you can you can double check. I, I guess you're supposed okay. to double check before you spray extend, just with their their uh, website, just in case there've been any changes. But nope, that one is approved. Okay, great, great. Well, thanks, Darren. I really appreciate your insight on this. You bet. It won't be long, and we'll be planting soybeans. I'm looking at the towards the end of April, so that's going to be here before we know it. It sure is. It sure is. Well, good talking to you, Greg, and good luck this spring. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Let's head out to Colorado. We've got Dan with us right now. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Darren. How are you doing today? Good, good. You got the planter all ready to go? Got the drill all set up? Whatever you're, you're seeding with this year? We're, we got uh, got corn platter. It's all pretty much ready to go. Uh, you know, guys, right now after this cold weather we had a couple weeks ago, are beginning to top dress a little wheat, and there, uh, you know, some some irrigated ground is beginning to be worked. And uh, really, right now, the last couple of days, people are kind of battening down the hatches, seeing how much rain and snow we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of in ground zero or in ground zero for that one. What what are they forecasting for your part of Colorado? Well, they've kind of changed it from. Uh, snow over to more rain which is okay because rain shovels a lot easier yes but uh you know we're in that three plus inch range of of total moisture with probably the bulk of it now coming as rain uh you get further west of us up around the front range of colorado and the the foothills up there they're talking you know two feet of snow in places yeah it's going to be something i had some friends that were supposed to travel to colorado for something here this weekend and they completely canceled it they didn't didn't want anything to do with that yep yep so i you know i think it's uh could be a lifesaver i mean we're not we're not incredibly wet uh you know our sub moisture is lacking a little bit after a dry summer last year so this will really help. It could really help replenish stuff and get the sweet off to a good start. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And I know it, it, yeah. it makes everybody nervous, but hey, you're in Colorado. You know how to handle snow. And March is generally a pretty snowy month. Yeah, yeah. March and early April, first half of April, usually, you know, these kind of storms could come through and, uh, yeah, dump. 8, 10, 12 inches of snow without a problem. Hey, talk to us about the irrigation. Where Where is the water source from, and is this going to help? Has that been a challenge when you've been, been pretty dry? Well, right now where we're at, we're, uh, we're all groundwater, so we're no surface water. Um, you know, some of we're in the edge of the Ogallala Aquifer, so some, some areas are declining a little bit around our area, but for the most part, there's still pretty decent water everywhere. Um, you know, the wells, depending on a little on location, but probably 250 to 300 feet deep most places. Um, good quality of water. Most our wells on our farm keep up just fine even in a dry year. We're, we're kind of lucky. We've got a pretty good set of wells across all our circles. Uh, and we're actually going to look at some autonomous pivot technology by an Israeli company this year. <laughs> and... Maybe you're going to try one pivot where it will measure um, the water levels in the soil out in front of the pivot, and we can it will adjust it 
by those readings as that circle goes around, as that pivot goes around. So some new technology out there that may be pretty exciting. Yeah. If it's a way to knock two, three inches of application off, uh, hey, you know, not only an electric savings, but a water savings too. So I just want them to invent uh, something that would be completely uh, autonomous as well to fix pivots that have problems during the year. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yep, we've we've been through that. We still got a flat tire or two to go get fixed before we get to get to the season. So, <laughs> well, it's coming. It's coming but, quick, and uh, good luck here getting through this next storm that's coming. But uh, you're right; spring is right around the corner. Thanks for calling in, Dan. Really appreciate yep. it. Anytime. Thanks, Darren. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Today we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at eight four four. 44 Ag PhD. We'll be right back after this. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Step it up this season. Do more than just keep your soybean fields clean with Authority Supreme or Authority Edge herbicide from FMC. Walk those clean fields with pride and enter for your chance to win a $500 Cabela's gift card. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at stepitupwithfmc.com. Always read and follow label directions for use. Void or prohibited. Must be a legal U.S. resident and age of majority in your state to enter. See official rules for terms and conditions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. 
Vellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines are open at 844-442-4743. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head up north of the border into Manitoba. We've got our friend Riley on with us. Riley, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, it's always good to talk to another red beard. Yeah, I'm doing well. (laughs) Yeah, it's always good to be amongst friends. All right, so what's happening up on your farm? Oh, we got lots going on. Which which way would you like to go today? Let's talk I, tiling. I like we've, to talk, as you know. We've got a tiling clinic coming up next week. Uh, I hear that you just got some tiling done last fall, so let's talk about that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. we finally put tile in the ground. We've been working at it. Well, I've been coming to your tile clinic clinics and listening to your information on it for a lot of years now, so we finally... This last summer, we said it's time to put up or shut up, so we we put uh, 50 acres of tile in the ground on 30-foot spacings. Uh, excellent. Okay, 30-foot spacings. Wow, you, you've got some heavy ground up there. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, we're about, well, that field would be 40 CEC. Okay, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, so talk to me about the where it's going then. Is it a flat field, or did you have to put in a lift station or anything like that, or have you got somewhere for the water to go? Yep. So uh, it's a for us we would call it rolling, but for everywhere else that would be considered flat. Um, so we still needed a lift station. So we put in a, a culvert with a three horsepower VFD pump, and we're pumping it through. There's a little creek that runs by where they dredged out the sides and built dikes on either side of the creek. So the water would always back up on that field whenever the whenever we'd have a big rain to the west of us. Sure. And so now we, with the lift station, we're pumping it in over top of the dike, and we can get rid of our water just as fast as we don't have to wait for the creek to go down before we drain. Yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot of times people say, oh, man, it's just going to be so much work and a challenge, and it is for you. I know it. I know it is, and I know it's not been easy in your area to get that tiling in, and, and sure, you have to – your first tiling project includes a lift station, but it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. So so what's coming out of that tile now? Is Do you have moisture that's coming out, or are you guys dry? So we are very dry. Um, we got – I think six inches of rainfall last summer between May 1 and September 30th. Um, so when we were putting it in, all my neighbors were laughing at me like, what are you doing putting tile in? And I just checked it here two days ago and it's time to turn the pump on. We, the, the lift station's full of water and it's backed up all the way around out back out the tile lines and I got a wet spot. So we had moisture in the soil still even though we had only six inches of rain last year. So that was a big eye-opener to me. I didn't think we would see a drop come out of it this spring. 
Yeah, it's it's funny. I I've got a tile that that we just updated and and we had most of the field tiled, but we got into a, an area when we got so dry this last year that there there was another spot that we knew we needed to if we ever got back to wet weather. And yeah, there's a little trickle coming out of there, even though we've been been super dry since July. Hey, uh, I understand you had a fertile fertility thing too. You wanted to talk about or a question you had maybe on fertilizer. Yep. So I got two quick ones for you. Um, first one is I'm going to try pushing my yield on soybeans. So I'm thinking about mixing a few micros in furrow. Okay. Um, would a quart and a half of zinc, chelated zinc and a quart of manganese, how well would that mix? And if I'm going with, uh, like, putting it in furrow, how am I going to be damaging my seed at all with that? You know, that's a good question. It, how how does the fertilizer get applied? Does it dribble right on top of the seed, or is it in the sides of the trench or underneath? It's in the sides of the trench, dribbled on uh, a little bit above the seed. Okay. And then you'd be mixing it with water, too, to dilute it down? Yeah, I, I'd be applying four gallons of water along with that two okay. two and a half quarts of product. Okay. Well, uh, we've done micros in furrow, and yeah, for just a couple of quarts, depending on the the form of each of those, if it's, uh, uh, assuming it's a fairly safe form, maybe it's a sulfate form or something like that, I think a guy could sure do it. I don't know how well those specific products are going to mix. I guess it depends on which ones you get, but assuming that they mix, I'd do a jar test first just to be just to be sure, assuming they mix, I, I think it'll work out fine. We, we've we got the option of going in furrow. We've also broadcast a bunch of nutrients where we're trying to build, but these aren't really big build levels. They're more just feeding the crop at this point. Yeah, I want to get my beans out of the ground in a hurry. So that's kind of what I'm looking at with these two products. Awesome. Have you ever used zinc or manganese in furrow before? I've used zinc in mixed with my 1034-0 or my low-salt uh, foss in corn before, but I've never done it on soybeans. Okay. Yeah, soybeans are definitely more fussy, and I know you know that already, but uh, that would be something I'd, I'd maybe try out before I go crazy everywhere, but uh, it, it doesn't sound like it's crazy rates or anything. I, I don't think I'd be too okay. concerned. No, that sounds good. I do also have a quick question for you if you got time. Uh, sure. I'm looking at applying uh, sulfur on this one 40-acre patch where I'm going to try and push my soybean yields. My Great. soil test says I have, I'm doing 10-acre zones on, or grids on it, sorry, and my sulfur level varies between 10 pounds to 27 pounds. Okay. Um, I want, I'm debating whether I go with AMS or whether I go with an elemental sulfur, and then I'm thinking about putting 200 pounds of sulfur down. What uh, what would you suggest? And you AMS want lots. Or, this is on no. your drained ground, or this is on other yes, ground. This okay. is on. This is on drained ground. Trying to push. I want to touch 80 bushel soybeans. Wow. Okay. Well, you don't need 200 pounds to to make that yield. But if you're also looking at trying to move the needle on pH just a little bit. Um, you could certainly use the elemental. Uh, that heaviest soil, I don't know that it's going to change the pH a whole lot, but that sulfur would stick around a little longer, although, on again, on super heavy ground, 
probably not a big concern. I don't think you're really going to lose any. So you could go either way. If you're raising 80 bushel beans, you probably aren't going to need a whole lot of nitrogen. With I'm guessing you've got a decent level of organic matter in a in that heavy soil, but uh, yes. which is going to release plenty of N for you. So I guess it's up to you how you want to do that. I'd maybe try a little bit of each and just see what you learn. But if you said nope, can't do that, got to be one or the other, I'd probably throw the <laughs> elemental out there. And and do you think 200 is too stiff? Should I cut it back to 100 pounds? I think that would be fine. Yeah, it's it's expensive. Elemental is expensive. Well, not that ammonium sulfate's yeah. free, but elemental is is a little spendy. So, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think I'd go that strong a rate unless unless you're really trying to do something. I mean, if it's an 8 pH and you say, man, my drainage is amazing right now, and I can I've got a chance to try and flush that through my system. You could sure give it a shot and see. I, I just always like doing those expensive trials either on Brian's ground or on a small scale. <laughs> one one way or the other, it's easier for me to afford. <laughs> or both. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Brian doesn't like doing low rates. He likes doing he's not here to defend himself right now. He's stepped out, but but uh, yeah, he doesn't like doing low rates. He likes to go for it and see where the edge of the cliff is so he knows if he can actually get something to work or not. But um but yeah, it'll be fun having that that uh, tile in the ground to see what it does for you. Do you have another project lined up that you're going to do later this year or are you going to see how this one works first? We're going to see how this one works and uh, we're still working on the regulator or the the permitting process to get uh, get regulated to put it in the ground. That's that's getting more difficult up here every year. Yeah. So it it takes it well this last one took me about a year and a half to get and wow. now I've heard some guys talking about almost 2 years to get permits. Wow. We're yeah, is... started on the process but we're still I don't know, it depends which way the government thinks today. Yep, we know how that goes. Well, Riley, thank you so much. Good talking to you here. I know spring's getting pretty close. Good luck to you as you head into spring. Thank you. You bet. It is Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and we would love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck tow package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. we got Dave, who's been holding for a while in Western Illinois. Dave, thank you for hanging on there. And I also got a special treat for you, Dave. I got Glenn Hers here. He is the Ag PhD Field Research Lead. And uh, told him we're talking about planters here. He's all about it. So go ahead, Dave. What's your question? Oh, hi. Thank you very much. But I'm finishing up the planter and been doing some updates, trying to keep it uh, up to the times. And I put the plastic um, spiked wheels on the closing wheels. And uh, I had a question on the front end there. Uh, I got the colder and trash wheel combos on the front, a very common setup. And um, I no-till the soybeans into uh, the 30-inch corn rows from last year. And then I do minimum tillage. Uh, when I plant the corn into the soybean stubble and so forth. Uh, I I wondered if you had any opinion on these uh, little aluminum trash uh, or tetter wheels or def bands that they put on the trash wheels. Uh, Are they necessary or just let the trash wheels kind of float in, in that scenario? Okay, Dave, I've got a few questions for you. What kind of planter are we talking here? Green uh, one? We're talking a Kinsey. No, okay. the blue kin- one. Yep, Kinsey. Okay. And it's got those uh, curved fingers on them, and they kind of allow the thing to float. I didn't know if the yep. death bands so, would be additional so you're trocking, or not. you're trocking your roll cleaners? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so the, the reason that band is on there is to, you know, if you've got just a floating um, roll cleaner, that will help it so that it just doesn't plow into the ground a little bit. So, yes, that's that's a nice thing to have on there. Um, 
when we've got guys that have like a clean sweep or something like that where they've got the air that they can actually adjust that to, um, they've got even more ability to to let that thing float a little bit um, depending on how much down pressure you have to have. So like if you're in your no-till situation, you may need to you know, not allow that to, a, to float as much. Um, we can certainly do that with a clean sweep where we can actually put a little more down pressure on it. That certainly helps it. But um, if yours are just simply floating, keep that on there because you don't want to take a whole lot of that residue, I mean, or a whole lot of that crop out of, you know, the dirt flow and everything out of the way there. Um, we're not trying to do a field cultivating operation in front of that row right. unit. So um, that's what that's there for. Okay. What else you got? And then you said you had you had you said you had some plastic closing wheels in the back. Do you know what kind they are? Yeah, the Yetter Twisters. Okay. I just put those yep. on this year. Yep. Yes. And I am not familiar with those a whole lot, other than I'm hearing some good things from some of the folks that have had them on in the past. Great. Yeah. And um, also on the Kinsey's, I can put the I I can adjust the down with a stop, but. I can, it floats going up, but they do have a stop on the way down. Sure. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Yep. So. Okay. No, well, I mean, a, well, a, a nice setup there that you're, you know, that you're getting started with. Um, can't say enough. Make sure you've got, you know, check your discs and stuff like that for that, you know, put that credit card in there or a business card in there to keep that, you know, so that you get that thing closed up nicely so you don't have dirt getting in between the discs and stuff like that. That's going to be um, very helpful trying to keep that C consistency. I just completed all those tasks yesterday, and the last thing I had to do was decide whether to put deaf bands on it or not on the wheels. So that'll pretty well along with it. Yes. All right. Awesome, Dave. Well, thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. Good luck here getting into planting this spring. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You bet. Let's head out to uh, Central South Dakota. Got our friend Shannon on with us right now. Shannon, how you doing? Good. How are you today? Good, good. I understand you got some fertility questions for corn. That's right up our alley. We're excited about that. We can't wait to be planting too. Yeah, kind of. So I kind of do it the poor man's way. We take our, we have a 10 inch spacing drills. That's that's what we plant our spring and winter wheat with. Well, the past couple of years, I run them ahead of my corn planter. I banned my fertilizer. I put my nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, you know, I put everything through my drill, and then I just drill it right ahead of my planter. My question to you guys is, do you, so like if I plant my corn, you know, inch and a half deep, roughly, do you think I should, should I put the fertilizer in deeper? You know, I'm, you know, I, I, like we usually plant winter wheat or spring wheat, you know, maybe an inch, you know, we don't put it in very deep, but, and I never change the depth on my, when I, when I ban my fertilizer, do you think a guy should should adjust the depth a little deeper to get it closer to the root is one question. My second question is, each rank is on 20-inch spacing. So it's a, when both ranks are down, it's 10-inch spacing. But if I lock the front rank up, that puts it on 20-inch spacing. I wonder if I could, I could go at a little, like a 10-degree angle. I wonder if that would be all right. So, I'm just trying to save a little wear and tear on my drill, if you follow me. Sure. So, Shannon, are you are you running like a, a deer single disc air seeder or something with that? Yeah, eight, 1890s. Yep. yep, yeah. The thing about it is if I'm going to, you know, say I'm 
planting on 30 inch spacing with my planter, um, right. some of that corn seed is getting immediate fertilizer and some of it's not, you know, so I, I, if I'm doing it, I'm probably going with both bands down and I'm probably going the yeah. same direction and trying to stay on top of that as much as I can. Now I've got, right. you know, the other 20 inches of course are, you know, are in between rows, but, um, I would try and be staying as close as I can because even when we've had guys where they're taking and knifing in anhydrous, you know, and they're mm -hmm. going at an angle, um, you can see some wavy patterns in there, depending on if we get a lot of rain or something like that at places where that nitrogen can get away from us a little bit. So I would be more mm -hmm. inclined, keep the 10 inches down, try and follow that same band so I can get at least some consistent fertility to that plant, yeah. you know, all along. As far yep. as the inch and a half, I would think if I'm for that amount, because you've got 20 inches that are further away from it, I'm probably right. not that concerned okay. that I would have just to go deeper. Just leave the depth the way it is on our yep. drill then. Just band at that same depth. That's what I would do. Okay. Yep. And then just plant the All moisture. Right. If you need to be a little bit deeper, I'd probably go just a little deeper than you are with the corn. Right. Yep. Right. Are you guys starting out in the well, field out there already? Or had you when it was no. warm? No, we're... Uh, our first plant date, I think, for actually spring wheat is March 26th. So we got a little spring wheat will be first, and then corn will be a little later. But we're pretty dry. We've had a really dry open winter, but we're just finished. We've top dressed all our winter wheat. We started Saturday, and we got done today. And was hoping to get a little snow the middle of the week, but we missed that snowstorm. But I think they're talking for Sunday, Monday, a pretty good chance of snow. So. We need a little snow. We're going to need a little top moisture. It's getting pretty dry on top or everywhere, really. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's uh, it's different going into 2021 than it was going into 2020 right now. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Yep. Well, Shannon, great talking to you here, and, and good luck here. Hopefully you guys catch a little moisture coming into spring. We could all use it. Yep, you guys too. Thank you. You bet. All right, Glenn. Since I got you here, we got about a minute left. Uh, you got you got a chance. You got the forum here. I know you got a lot of projects that you're working on this spring. Uh, anything exciting that you're you're really looking at going into this spring? Anything uh, equipment wise that you'd say, hey, make sure you guys have this in order. It's something that that we've seen make a big difference. Well, we're we're tearing our planters apart right now too, um, and even for us, uh, we're going to do something a little different. Just because we don't have the ability, we, we thought about possibly putting conceal on some of the plot planters and whatnot, but right now I think we're going to just um, probably dribble our nitrogen behind our closing wheels. Uh, we're taking off the, the system in between. I just was kind of getting frustrated from the fact that even with our hydraulic downforce, because when I'm doing um, hybrid plots, we just, with variable fields that were in sometimes conventional sometimes no-till sometimes strip till um, if I get in some areas I just could not hold that ground contact so that that's our big thing and then just man it's amazing you think you got everything in good shape and it's we got work to do 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's a safe bet on just about every planter. I think it's fun when you look at planters and you say, well, that's not bad to end last year on, but <laughs> yeah. that's not good enough to start this year because you know there's going to be a lot of wear and tear as we get yeah. going. I always love the Farmer Fridays. Thanks to everybody who called in with questions. Thanks to everybody who emailed in some questions. We had a few that we didn't get to. We'll try to address those early next week. Thanks for listening to our show today. Make sure you check out agphd.com and sign up for the Drainage Clinic coming up next week on March 16th. And join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.